Welcome to the Consulting Pipeline Podcast. Today I, I'm going to play for you an interview I did with a super interesting guy named Ben Chiriboga. Ben's actually an attorney, so unlike most of the people I interview here, he's not a self-employed software developer. But he's used the exact same approach that almost any uh, professional services provider in the unlicensed professions would use to decide how to specialize and he talks about the benefits of doing that. And I also want to point out that um, finding attorneys who actually understand the world of people running um, small, uh, you know, sort of solo professional services firms or software as a service companies is not, in my experience, easy. Ben actually is that kind of attorney. So check out the interview. But also, if you're looking for someone who provides those kind of services and is not going to ask you a bunch of dumb questions about how you make a living and how you make money in those sort of unconventional ways of, of making a living, uh, you might check out Ben's actual legal services. Ben, welcome. Glad to have you here on the show. Hey, Philip, how's it going? Glad to be uh, with you guys, and uh, Happy New Year, and uh, Happy Holidays uh, 2018 to everybody. Uh, looking forward to a great year. Oh, man, now I'm going to have to publish this uh, in a reasonable oh. amount of time. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. Um, so, great. Ben, why don't you tell folks who you are and what you do as of today? You have an interesting story about specialization, but who are you and what do you do now? Sure, sure. I'd love to, uh, to share the story. So, um, uh, my name is Ben Chiriboga. I am a lawyer uh, and a marketing consultant, uh, legal marketing consultant, actually. Um, and as of today, um, uh, basically uh, existing in those two worlds, but uh, with the extra wrinkle, I think, that uh, over the course of the last year and a half, I've really found a way to niche and specialize both of those fairly, fairly generic offerings into something that's uh, uh, both been uh, profitable and and. and for myself, um, uh, a real journey uh, from moving from really uh, over the last, let's say, two years, really moving from an employee at a very large law firm doing uh, litigation, corporate litigation, all the way to very spe uh, specific sort of niche um, offerings that uh, really uh, in both of these offerings, which is my own law firm and also my own uh, consulting firm that uh, really um, offer something in the way of a, a productization, almost uh, specialization sort of field in uh, in both of those offerings now. So it's uh, been quite a journey from uh, from a worker bee to uh, to to entrepreneur and uh, niche uh, niche offering. Uh, but it's uh, been a great ride. Nice. So um, I just want to give folks a little teaser. I, I've actually mm -hmm. got a question that's going to be a total tangent that I want to ask next, but the teaser is, um, have things, do, do you enjoy your work more now or uh, do you get more out of it or does it work better since you specialized or not? Yeah, absolutely. The answer to uh, to all three of those questions is emphatically yes. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's, um, uh, 
I, I enjoy being a counselor. I enjoy being a lawyer. I even enjoy being a litigator mm-hmm. uh, because of um, it's uh, uh, it, it's an invigorating process. I mean, or at least the at least the process of. It. But you know, I always knew at the back of my head that there was a limit in terms of my time um, and also the leverage that could come with it. And mm-hmm. um, and so I've I've always been looking toward. Um, what's the next way to sort of outgrow that that pace? And you know, lawyers and other professional services, even still having uh, fairly high fees whenever it comes to their hourly rates, et cetera. I was always looking for uh, the next version, realizing that um, relative to the amount of cognitive load that was going into each of those hours, there could have been a better way to sort of leverage that time. So, um, yeah, the, so the answer to that is absolutely yes, but also in a way that um, that specialization has um, sort of opened up to creativity in terms of allowing me to be somebody who's uh, who uh, has sort of come to see the power of marketing, the 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 fun in marketing, the fun in coming up with offerings, the fun in uh, creatively thinking about what uh, what the market needs and reverse engineering from that, um, which is much different than than uh, the place which I started uh, originally. So um, so yeah. So although I'm still uh, a business counselor and I was wearing those hats as an attorney inside a law firm, the um, the entire dynamic has sort of shifted uh, as I've sort of made my transition into specialization and niching and sort of the the 180 flip that goes into your brain when you sort of move from you know working working either by the hour in an employee service capacity to to a much more entrepreneurial marketing capacity. Nice. Okay, so here's the tangent. Um, I have this theory that well, it's not really a theory. Uh, when I when I Google the internet for mm-hmm. information about what percentage of other types of professionals other than software developers have specialized mm-hmm. in some ways. I see things like maybe 40% of physicians are mm-hmm. uh, specialized in some way. They're not general practitioners, but they've specialized right. in something. And the number for uh, attorneys or lawyers is also up there. It's like in the 30 to 40% range as well. CPAs, mm-hmm. uh, maybe not quite as high, but still, you know, it's up there. Um, how, how do lawyers specialize? How do they go from first year of law school to ending mm-hmm. up being some kind of specialist in something like tax law or you know, right. intellectual right. property or whatever? Right. So I think the the answer to that question is twofold. One, I um, I tend to believe that there are just market forces that have sort of driven, um, as is sort of the case generally speaking. I think in our in our current economy, which is um, has has pushed to some extent pushed many professional services either from. Uh, a point of trying to specialize or just because of the, in the case of the law, let's say it's because of the highly regulated society and highly legal society that we live in. It's just simply impossible to really do anything with, um, with a, with a sure footing as a, as a general practitioner, as mm. a general specialist. Now people do do that. Um, um, but, but generally speaking, I think that there's just, uh, and there's also a liability. Remember there's professional licensing issues and malpractice that come along with many things. So there, the, so those are the outward sort of forces mm-hmm. uh, that push people, um, um, into specialization. Um, it's, it's funny because that is the, uh, that's sort of the great quote that I read recently. I was reading, uh, Tim Ferriss's, uh, 
uh, tribe of mentors and, um, oh, now I'm blanking on his name. Um, the author who wrote the red queen, basically the quote goes as follows, which is, um, one of the great points of capitalism is the ability to specialize as a producer so that you can generalize as a consumer. Mm. Um, and uh, I thought there was a lot of power in that. But, but you know, the, I think market forces have pushed a, a many lawyers to specialize. But mm-hmm. um, from the tactical or the credential sort of standpoint, um, I think many uh, just choose a focus in an area in which they'd like to. There's, um, there's further credentials in colleges and LLM programs that you can go to. There's also certificate programs that you can go to. Um, but I think it's sort of a combination of those two. But um Quite frankly, it's, um, and I'll end with this because that that's the, sort of the way, but mm-hmm. um, the other side to that coin is really that, um, and in my estimation and based on what I've done with my with my law practice per se, um, that, law, that lawyers can do much more in terms of niching down, um, mm-hmm. whether that's from, to use the language of your book, which is, um, you know, categories, uh, mm-hmm. taking taking a category strategy, or even um, even taking a narrow focus strategy. There's there's not that. So there's been a lot of yes, I do business law, but I don't do general practitioner stuff. You know, I'm not going to take anything that I'm, I'm going to do personal injury to business to mergers and acquisitions and tax law. And quite frankly, anybody anybody who tried to do that you know, take a personal injury case one day and a tax law the, another, uh, the next case would, would probably find themselves on the wrong end of a malpractice suit. Um, so yeah. there's no incentive, there's no real incentive for, you know, it's not like you're taking multi-billion dollar cases in terms of what you'd be able to like bill, you know, these are yeah. the vast majority of these cases you're making somewhere between 300 to $25,000, you know, so it's, it's not worth gambling with your license. But, yeah. but, but to my point, yeah, there is a, um, there is uh, there's much more that they can do in terms of smart specialization because at the end of the day most people are still okay. I go from I'm uh, I go from general practice to business law, but but within that they're really taking anything that sort of looks like a businessy sort of case. Everything from let's say. Um, you know, everything from, let's say, uh, front end startup all the way to mergers and acquisitions and trying to do a little bit in between there and really not taking um, a, a sort of finer slice in terms of uh, what they could be doing using, you know, some of the strategies, let's say, outlined in your book or, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, blue ocean strategies, et cetera, et cetera, or even thinking about uh, proctization or, you know, lower level services and, and anything in that in that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's an interesting pattern is that any profession where you have to have a license to practice the profession mm-hmm. seems to have more specialists in it than sure. us on the unlicensed end of things. <laughs> right. <laughs> what is uh, this is just uh, also a little bit of a random question. What's the difference sure. between a counselor and an attorney? Well, um there there is none. I okay. um, but I find I find that uh, I find that um, most of the great attorneys um, or the ones that I look to as mentors myself as I was coming up uh, have have always um, had the mindset of counselor rather than rather than attorney. I think it's a, a transactional rather than a than a strategic sort of framing at least oh, for themselves. Yeah. Got it. So it's sort of like saying, Well, I I'm a consultant or I'm an advisor. Right, or a strategist, etc. Yeah. Right oh, right. interesting. Great. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, let's see here. Um, back in November, 
you emailed me, and I'm just going to read a little bit from your email to set up um, some of the background here. So you said in 2015 you left your corporate uh, mergers and acquisitions job, right? You were doing litigation. Right. Like, were you in a court? I was doing. Yeah, I was doing. Uh, I was doing federal litigation for uh, federal corporate litigation. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you went out on your own, and at the same time you moved to New York City. Is that right? That's right. Okay. Yeah. And. And and folks will remember from, you know, like five minutes ago when you introduced yourself that you're now mm-hmm. um, doing something that looks a lot different than that. So let's kind of walk through that journey. Why did you want to leave, um, you know, this what what probably by a lot of standards is a very secure job mm-hmm. to go out on your own? Yeah, I think I had alluded to it a little bit earlier, which was um, I started uh, being intoxicated with the idea of leveraging and leveraging hours. Um, as you can as you can imagine, uh, you know, corporate litigation is a cognitively intensive, and I don't mind uh, hard work, but mm-hmm. um, it's a it's a it is a diff- difficult job with uh, with um, um, you know it's. Um, Downs, large, large downsides, you know, capped upsides, um, as is the case with almost all employees. But yes, of course, a, a secure job, um, intellectually very, very demanding, very yeah. pushing. But, um, but nevertheless, no leverage. Um, at the same time, I was um, at the same time, sort of at that same time, um, I had started to sort of dip my, dip my toes a little bit into the digital marketing. Uh, entrepreneurship world. I had do. I had started doing a little bit of um, advising, basically pro bono advising um, for startups, and uh, really sort of started to get a little bit more interested in the world. Started to see a little bit more on terms of SaaS, and in terms of um, at the same time, this is when. Um, there was a little bit of uh, explosion in sort of the legal tech world, um, mm-hmm. even from the even from the perspective. So, uh, all that being said, there was interesting things that I thought were going to be happening in terms of a merger of business model and technology. Um, mm-hmm. That uh, even from a very conservative uh, standpoint, as uh, the law um, could work. So you take sort of the perfect merger of digital marketing um, tech. You know, Technology and automa- automation and mm-hmm. and and important sort of business model innovation and you sort of combine that and I thought it would be an interesting place nonetheless um, to go out. Um, it, that's the that's the short of it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think uh, I, I think the long of it was uh, the ability to stretch and see what else I could do and and what I thought was a very interesting uh, time space. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and and uh, and having a thirtieth birthday and uh, having a uh, somewhat of a, a quarter life crisis, I guess, or something something to that extent. Oh, that's so funny. You know, I I had a goal for my thirtieth birthday, which was to uh, to move to the West Coast to leave where mm-hmm. I was living in Nashville, Tennessee. So it's funny that 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 lined <laughs> up the same way with you. Yep. Did Did you kind of say to yourself, if okay, this must happen by that day, or if not? I don't know. Maybe I feel like a little bit of a failure or something. <laughs> yeah, I I think um, I looked at it as a um, 
I looked at it as it lined up with a few uh, milestones at my 30th birthday. I also mm-hmm. hit five years being an attorney um, with the same firm that, that I had already started out. So there was that sort of like five year itch. There was also the idea that five years just from a technical standpoint sort of opens up a lot more. You, you sort of get on the right side of experience and credentials as an attorney. I had had a robust sort of case that case list that I had gone through and experienced. And I just felt um, settled enough. And um, uh, you, you, you sort of match that with um, just just uh, where ideas come from, which is who knows, but but yeah. but impulses and emotions that, that certain things. But the thirty to me, I guess at the end of the day, was as good as ever. Um, and so, yeah, I sort of took the leap and uh, moved forward. So you did it. So how did you kind of set up shop? Like you're doing these two things now. Which one came mm-hmm. first? Was it the right. solo law firm? Sure, right. So I always continued as sort of the bread and butter in the base. Uh, I always continued to do. Uh, uh, legal work, okay. um, but even that in and of itself has transitioned. So, what the interesting thing, of course, is is that, um, and I'm not sure whether or not I mentioned it in the email, but um, it's an interesting wrinkle. I don't ever like to make things difficult, but easy for myself. So. Um, as I moved up to New York City, I actually am not barred to practice in New York City, uh-huh. um, um, which in and of itself is obviously uh, is obviously an interesting interesting uh, interesting wrinkle for a professional yeah. service person, especially somebody who a professional service person who um, does is not a is not is not a heavily driven advertising company or at least not in terms of uh, what you would you know recall sort of a direct response heavily advertised outside of outside of you know call me if you if there's personal injury slipping cases sort of stuff but even that is sort of very domestic um uh and regional to 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 those practices Mm -hmm. so um um I very quickly, long story short, is I very quickly had to think of a client acquisition system for myself um, and really become an overnight digital marketing client acquisition sort of person. Um, and this sort of the combination of two and a couple light bulbs and uh, a little bit of fire underneath my ass. I don't know if I can, I, I can curse on here, but a little you bit can. of fire. <laughs> right. So a little bit of fire um, really was the perfect trifecta to push me a little bit beyond and uh, start thinking of which which would again eventually you know the client acquisitions I would eventually become the kind of consultancy that I do now um, but you know it also transformed um, my um, my practice what uh, I had come from a place of uh, being an employee and basically having cases assigned to me to a person who had to think of things like lead generation and lead nurturing and uh, how you know how was I going to run ads what was I going to run ads what who was I going to run ads to what were the you know what sort of clients were going to have the late you know the best customer lifetime value who was going to provide the most referral uh, sources um, where was I going to reach out to these people and slowly sort of uh, in the words of uh, uh, Michelangelo, I think I uh, I created my own little David by carving away everything that mm-hmm. I thought was not useful and and what was what's been left even even what's still a process but but what by and large is what's been left is is what's uh, currently taking shape today. So think back up to the timeline of this process and day one is when you you left your corporate job sure and then how long would you say it took you to get um, competent enough sure. to to feel like okay, 
I'm not going to go out of business. This is not, right. this wasn't a mistake. I'm, I'm not right. some fly by night thing here. How long did that take? Yeah, I'd say it probably took anywhere between. Um, there was a severe uh, learning curve for me. Luckily, uh, there, there's very few things that I love to do. If I could get paid to learn, I probably would. That probably mm-hmm. is the reason why I was, you know, in school for upwards of uh, however, however many, yeah. <laughs> however many twenty some twenty twenty seven years. Yeah. Um, but. Um, um, well, that's not true because I didn't go to school from age one. But basically, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, but um, um, yeah, I think the learning curve was somewhere between. Uh, and you have to remember, I started from basically almost nothing in terms of uh, just walked out, you know, took the tie off, and decided that you know, hey, I was, you know, I was going to hang up my shingle and moving forward. Okay, um, so can I stop you right from, there? So, yeah, sure, so yeah. there wasn't like um, a year or two of kind of de- getting your ducks in a row and planning for this. This was a more, I mean, would you call it hasty or just kind of a short notice um, transition? I would say, I would say, I would say, confident, confidently. Uh, confidently naive, but um, you know, I think that there's, I think there's two, um, I think there's two sides to that because I, I actually think net net confident na- uh, naivety is actually a net benefit rather than a uh, than a than a net cost on, on most people's careers, especially if you're if ever if you're trying to hang up your own thing and do and, yeah. and do the entrepreneurial thing. So yeah. um, it's uh, it's good to get burned so long as you don't get knocked out of the game. I think. Yeah. Um, um, okay, so so, so it was, it was that, a little that, bit of a, yeah. So it was it was bold. It was bold move, definitely. Nice. It's um, so so during that time, I'd say it was about nine months until there was not in six, yeah, seven to nine months until there was um, a um, um, a sort of full transition into something that was starting to look more like like a statue uh, okay. of something that that could be marketed and um all that but uh, during that time i effectively just taught myself how to run a business from nuts to bolts uh okay. which is the 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 irony because representing corporations you learn nothing about how to run businesses in, in the uh, in the process yeah it's, it's like being a mechanic and you can work right. on the axle of the car but no other part of it right well you sound like you're being a little hard on yourself to me because sure, um, sure. to other people, I think this is a multi-year process. So you're saying about mm-hmm. nine months from, oh no, what did I do? To hey, I I I've have I'm getting clients, or I've kind of started to figure that out. Is that about right? Like maybe nine months to get to that point. Yeah, I'd say I'd say that was basically about. You know, there there was things that were coming in because of my network, but nothing that I felt. In terms of, you know, during this time, I was reading things like um, Built to Sell, The E-Myth, all, mm-hmm. all that sort of in- introductory start, starter entrepreneurship yeah. sort of stuff. And so um, and then, I, you know, at the same time, I was getting a lot into digital marketing and uh, thinking about things like productization and, and all this kind of stuff. So um, there was a combination of always a bright, shiny thing. But um, I, I think nine months is wherever I started to really conceive of this as something that looked more like a like a business something that had systems in place had processes in place and uh, something that uh, you know i could see 
client acquisition, I could see a system that that looked from you know what does what does the marketing look like all the way through to what does you know the the referral system look like and who is my avatar, who is my perfect customer, what does that really look like, and uh, and the systems taking in place. So so I think that that was really the. Um, the the benefit i you know the benefit to me was i was literally starting from zero and i know that's one of the sort of um um uh, one of the mountains that uh, that in your book your great book i think that you point out which is um for many people who might be a little bit more established and don't have such a such a palette um i still think it's possible but uh, but nevertheless i was really starting from blank mm-hmm. in terms of i i had a skill set um and a personality and and i i tend to think that I'm a pretty charming person but uh, besides that there was nothing in the way of a uh, of a robust system behind behind me that um, that I was shooting for in my mind sure so if you could travel back in time and whisper something in your own ear <laughs> you know uh, you know so before you started this what would you say to help yourself shorten the timeline or eliminate mm-hmm. some struggle from it yeah i think um I think two, one is sort of general advice, which is uh, don't try to go for perfect um, every single time. It's uh, it's better to learn of uh, putting sort of things out. Um, but the, the other, I think, would be something in the way of um, figuring out, uh, figuring out who it is um, that you really want to work with. Um, I think that that's sort of crucial in the... Uh, in, in 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 a context of uh, in the context of market analysis versus you know uh, who is it that you'd like to work with you know if, if this was a presidential election you'd say who do you who would you like to gra- grab a beer with I think that mm-hmm. sort of goes a long way too with regards to customers and clients um, and I think uh, the conversation between you know. Um, uh, you know, approachable market, what, what, you know, market cap, market, market size, it's, it's all important. And I think it's part of the other side of the coin, but, but necessarily speaking, I think it's, um, I think it would be like, you could go crazy. Uh, and I think many people who are trying to maybe build businesses, either market digital products or, you know, even just specialize and, and, and think about niches and making those decisions. Um, it seems to me that, uh, sometimes um uh something that cuts right through it all it's uh is um who would you like to work with and how how would you you know who could you conceivably think of engaging if this was just you and the market and you got to speak to each one of these people and got to go to their houses and then all the way through to you know asking them for uh retaining them and continues with them selling them something further down the road uh, if you could conceivably think of yourself dealing with those people on a day-to-day basis i think that sort of cuts through a lot of the otherwise very um very above the shoulders uh analysis that i think a lot of people go through when deciding uh, uh, you know build businesses and trying to build build systems and market and um and go through all those exercises that that we're also coached and, and think about mm-hmm. so um one of the things i've noticed is i i really have trouble remembering i could if i if i sat down and thought about it but mm-hmm. i have trouble remembering the last time i worked with a client that i didn't actually enjoy um mm-hmm. interacting with them do you find the right. same thing yourself i do yeah i do i um so, so just to so for instance, what we do now currently, 
um, at the at the law firm. Um, we are a law firm that basically represents uh, online entrepreneurs, businesses, e-commerce business, and marketers specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, these uh, so these are people who uh, everything from people who are putting together courses, um, running, uh, consider themselves online entrepreneurs, to all the way to to e-commerce uh, stores. And what we at the end of the day, regardless of whatever they sell and how and the product that they sell, what what you find is uh, these are people who are um, intently, or at least the ones that will engage an attorney to look after them um, and and protect their interests. These are people who are deadly serious, um, ambitious, um, and building things really bootstrapping all the way uh, all the way from the front and uh, these these are great people to to deal with so um it matches my you know matches my test that's awesome what kind of of legal challenges do those kind of businesses tend to have like what would you say are the top few most common sure yeah so um so uh I think that that question is best summarized in terms of our, our product suite. Really, um, mm-hmm. we really have sort of a left, right, middle. If you if you follow sort of Alan Weiss's uh, Alan Weiss's uh, uh, acceleration curve uh, uh-huh. model, or, or ge- generally speaking, you know, it's a high, medium, sort of low value curve. If you would describe, so really on the on sort of the front end is um, those who are really looking for. Um, issues about starting up and making sure that uh, uh, taxes and uh, liability is sort of minimized. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of in the middle would be a more robust uh, in terms of, for instance, if you're a marketer, you might have FTC privacy policies. Um, and if you deal with clients in, in a little more capacity, you're either a coach or a consultant that uh, um, sells some sort of digital product or, or uses digital marketing to advertise your services, then, then you'll have a little bit more of a... Uh, a contractual, contractual, robust. Uh, you're looking for more, a little more contractual uh, protection, mm-hmm. minimization. Of course, still with uh, with tax issues, FTC issues. If you're very highly involved in in marketing, mm-hmm. um, and then just uh, on you know on the back end, really, we still provide what is. Um, what we would consider sort of like consulting and retainer life services for mm-hmm. larger people who are really looking for uh, more of a legal how legal general counsel sort of offering but again it sort of goes from um yeah it sort of goes from uh low touch but you know sort of like high priority problems all the way to high touch um uh, high touch and more expensive and obviously our more premium offerings i did not mean it to turn out this way but i think you've provided sure. this perfect example of how when you when you pick a market which is something you've done then you start mm-hmm. to understand their needs, and then you right. can start to customize what you do to provide more value or be a better fit for their needs. And you just, you know, in a few minutes, really kind of describe that whole how that has worked for your business end to end. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, it's uh, um, I've 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 found your book uh, again incredibly useful, and I would uh, I would really push everybody to uh, who's thinking about uh, positioning and niching to go out. Um, as far as I'm concerned, it's one of the I, I think I maybe mentioned this to you before, but one of the more modern books that I've read on positioning mm-hmm. and really uh, reflects um, 
um, you know, marketing is never, <laughs> marketing is no different if you've ever read, you know, and, and at the end of the day, advertising and most of marketing is not that different, but there are different ways to approach it and there are more modern tactics to approach yeah. what are typically timeless strategies nevertheless. But, um, but you know, in your book, you really make uh, two points, which is, or the three points to really distinguish um, narrow focus and then the, uh, and then the two categories sort of approaches. And, um, you know, as I, as I come back, I, I actually hadn't read your book at the time that I did everything that I did with mm-hmm. in terms of narrowing the focus, but you know you can see how well um, you the book summarizes what I nat- naturally ended up falling into, which is you know my this practice and my practice really has has gone from generalized business, which was sort of my background as a corporate litigation counselor attorney. Um, you know we went from so that could have easily turned into a business law firm but we went from business to we took a narrow focus to online business and we even went one step further which is you know online businesses who uh, are either course creators marketers or offer some sort of like digital product mm-hmm. um, we also went and, and took it a, a step further that, that would be maybe a market segment mm-hmm. um, a narrow focus market segment we also did an audience sort of um, we do focus our attention uh, and our marketing and 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 our positioning based on people who um, and this has been very advantageous from a, from just a marketing position we have been able to say okay we're only going to focus on people who use um, the top three marketing and sales platforms uh, of today whether or not that's Kajabi ClickFunnels mm-hmm. uh, or any of the other that are sort of or, or maybe you know you're they're definitely using some sort of email marketing I mean this ha- this helps in terms of really narrowly focused and it also helps in terms of the marketing and uh, you know you can get in there and you can you, you can really integrate yourself and learn a lot about your audience by picking these sorts of these sorts of uh, these uh, sorts of audience segmentations um, and you know the last thing I, I think we would think about is um, just from sort of a category standpoint we've also tried to be a category leader um, mm-hmm. in terms of we haven't just said okay we're online business lawyers who bill by the hour at the end, right? We've mm-hmm. really tried to say, well, we're going to try to offer a product suite that really uh, elevates us above uh, above and beyond uh, what uh, maybe the regular law firm would do in this specific space by offering you know, a high, medium, low sort of offering set. That's interesting. Um, so do you have competition who is, you know, go ahead. Yeah, I think I think generally speaking, I think we still play in the in the same sandbox mm-hmm. as something that um, um, that a regular law firm would. Um, um, and there and there are other law firms, and this is my hope, quite frankly, as I guess an industry thought leader is is what we what I started the conversation thinking about, which was um, you know that perfect nexus, which really drew me out of the law firms, the law firm environment, which was, you know, what I saw as the perfect nexus between innovative business design, uh, marketing, and an effective marketing, or at least client acquisition, whether or not that be in um, 
you know, affordable client acquisition costs mixed in with automa- automation and landing pages and blah, 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 and all that, all that good stuff that comes along with it. But the perfect sort of trifecta of business design, productization, um, and also marketing sort of coming together in a perfect trifecta. You know, what we hope is, is that more law firms, uh, you know, come in and validate this sort of business model and this sort of business thinking, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of the, basically the foundation or at least the theoretical foundation for my for my uh for the marketing consulting that i do and the client acquisition consulting that i do so in your email you said you help mid-sized regional law firms develop an automated client referral system by flipping their marketing funnel what does what's that last part mean can you talk a little sure, bit about that right. side of yeah things? so so flipping flipping in marketing funnel is i think um it, it sort of takes a little bit from uh, there there's a book by um Jan Jessic called flipping the funnel. Uh, flipping the funnel is effectively a cutesy way to say focusing on uh, referral uh, marketing as your lead, co- your client acquisition strategy, oh. um, uh, uh, ra- rather than a rather than a typical sort of wide funnel. Uh, marketing strategy, which is, you know, attention, acquisition, nurturing, and then bringing all the way down to the sales funnel, Uh, but really trying to pay either through media or branding, which, you know, whichever you prefer per se, um, you know, flipping the funnel would just basically be like, let's work on customer retention and being very purposeful with our referrals, uh, which in a professional service capacity, I think is um, something that uh, ironically, it's like professional services don't feel that comfortable, like, getting paid ads unless it's you know on a bus stop or at least in the in the i think a lot of professional services are not overly anxious about advertising or sort of have some sort of have have issues per se with it um 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 you know they they you know they don't they don't want to run ads on facebook or even mm-hmm. linkedin et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. um but you know there there are and there are there are right ways and wrong ways i think for especially for high-end professional services to do that. But, you know, I think a lot of people understand that their greatest businesses come from referrals and referral marketing. The irony, of course, is that while um, these are your most high-value clients with the lowest barrier and the easiest sales, um, sales conversations, um, um, and they also come to you for free uh, based on referrals, uh, most professional services aren't doing what uh, aren't really being purposeful and systematic about it. Um, mm-hmm. So really, sort of flipping the funnel and thinking of it in that sort of capacity, making uh, you know whatever whatever term you want to use evangelist now, but really focusing on referral marketing as sort of the 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 dump into the next into the next phase of your client acquisition, client client get client sort of uh, sort of um, um, speak. Got it. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So, um, awesome. Okay. Well, I I think those were some of the main questions I wanted to get at, especially that part about how you could speed things up in retrospect. Mm-hmm. Like, what have I maybe n- neglected to ask you about that you think would be an, an interesting aspect of this story and this transition in your career? Yeah, I think um, I think one of the uh, I think one of the let's call it mindset shifts, but it's one of those sort of faith faith based things that you have to sort of internalize before in the context of let's say specialization is the idea that um, is understanding and getting over the idea of you know am I cutting off sort of 
cutting off a lifeline and cut and am I going to undercut um, either my bottom line or you know possible business how do I start stop saying no to certain type of business I mean I think that's a huge thing but a necessary thing um, and and sort of I guess just getting over that quote unquote scary aspect of it um, and the only way that I've ever because it does take a little bit of faith it always sort of uh, you know, it's like it's like a fire walk or something that you, yeah, have, to, that right, you have to deal right. with the people, right? Yeah. Um, for some reason, I always think of like like Indiana Jones or something. Whenever he like throws the uh, or he just like trusts, you know, and like he lands on the invisible uh, lands on the invisible um, walkway so that he can mm-hmm. sort of cross. And uh, he's listening to Sean Connery, but then he's like looks back and you look back and you see it's this monumentous. Uh, sort of big uh, stone walkway that he's like on. He just couldn't see it because it's an optical illusion. And I and I tend to think that that's sort of the the same firewalk that you have to go through whenever it comes to specialization. And uh, although you rationalize that where there's one person, there's typically one thousand sorts of people that are sort of very similar. Um, and you probably internalize a lot of oh yeah, I can become an industry leader. And and a lot of what you write in the book, I think that there's still that. That's that scary thing about you know okay this is my place and you know you're 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 telling me to go here but you know you're not it, it, it's scary whatever for lack of a better word um, and and all I can say is that um, yeah it is faith based I think you have everything technically if you if you see if you're practical about it follow what 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 you've written uh, Philip in your book and also just seeing natural market demand and, and, you know, at least, at least some metrics behind it in terms of real customer pool, um, actual people raising their hand, which, you know, t- in today's day and age, you can really sort of test that stuff out either through MVPs and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can really think about that, then, then the, the benefits far, far, far outweigh anything because, um, I think like we've elicited a little bit, you are going to be working with people that you really like. Your marketing is going to be much more focused. You have the opportunity to really uh, jump from commoditization to to value oriented and all the sort of benefits that come along with that. You know, lowering lowering uh, you know brand brand strengths, driving lots of uh, lots of your lots of your value add, et cetera, et cetera. Cool. Yep. Well, Ben, I would bet you a dinner at your favorite restaurant that someone listening to this podcast would like to uh, either find out about your services or touch base with you to find out more. So where would you send people to to find out more if they're interested in your services? Sure. Right. So um, you can go to com slash law. Law office, um, and that is the landing page uh, for the um, law firm. They can always connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm very, uh, I'm very active on that. I, I uh, uh, I've gotten a good ROI on that time. Um, or just, uh, uh, I'd love to hear from you. And you can write me on my personal email, which is benchiriboga uh, at gmail.com. Hopefully, you can put that in the show notes. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I'd love to hear from uh, your viewership. Uh, these are. Uh, I have a. Um, I have an acronym for my sort of ideal person i guess audience that at the end of the day i'd like to associate and and consider as part of my personal network and those are people that are that i call haves um and uh it stands for high agency 
um, value earners. Uh, so people who are highly autonomous and uh, really make their money based on wisdom and uh, bringing a lot of a lot of thought leadership and value uh, to the market. And I think your audience is probably chock full of the chock those full. sorts of people. Chock full of them. Tens, hundreds of thousands of them, perhaps. I, it's amazing. Yes. <laughs> Let's hope so. No, <laughs> That's great. Uh, I'm not kidding. I think the listeners of the show are, are breed apart. And uh, hopefully folks who have found what you said interesting um, will will uh, check it out. And I'll drop a link to that in the show notes, Ben. Fantastic. Well, thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. I really appreciate it. That's great. Yeah, great way to kick off uh, 2018 again, just uh, <laughs> pushing you to uh, get this up and running. But uh, yeah, I wish uh, you and your listeners a great year moving forward and uh, take some risks. Um, um, there are no rewards without any risks, but uh, that's a, a basis <laughs> cheesy platitude these days, but it's actually true. You know, be like Indiana Jones. <sighs> that's true. Thanks, There we man. go. Okay, great talking to you, Philip.